Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, John Newman's Sports Card Nation. Always enjoy. I'm a loyal subscriber. This is 13 minutes about being a power seller on ComC. I've been there for a long time, and I've figured it out. For an analytical type like me, it works well. doesn't work for everybody. If you don't know what you're doing, ComC makes money no matter what. But I'm making money because I know what to put on there, and I know how to price it, and how to sell it. Thanks, sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Card, Burbank Sports Cards, Compsy.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Rating, Beckett Authentication. So here it is. I sell cards, obviously, online. I set up a show. You're a Compsy power seller. I wanted to pick your brain when it comes to selling. Let's be honest, Dr. Jim. You don't have to sell cards. You'd be more than... Fine if you did it. Same here. So what is the aspect of selling some cards that you enjoy? The original 1% rule that I had, because I really need to have less cards. I have too many. The original 1% rule is I noticed that on ComC, I was selling 1% of my inventory a month. And I thought if I just put more stuff on ComC, I'll sell 1% a month. The problem is I'm putting more than 1% a month on ComC, so it just doesn't shrink. But it is a way to get cards that people want that are, in many cases, true collectors can get cards of their player, a specific card, and have an easy way to get it for their collection. That's been the fun of it for me. But my 1% rule, that's why I introduced eBay, because I wasn't selling fast enough on ComC. No fault of ComC's. But selling individual cards, I needed to sell groups of cards so that I've added eBay into the mix a couple of years ago. So you're new to eBay, at least like you said. I bought some stuff. I probably sold some stuff a long time ago, but not really faithfully putting lots up. I learned from Mike Summer that eBay likes it if you put up regular postings of lots for sale or if you put something up and then three months later you put some more stuff up you just don't get found in the searches how much of the inventory that you list you've had for a while versus stuff maybe through the singles club or going to the dallas card show what percentage nowadays it's probably 50 50 because i'm going through stuff i have that i'm trying to thin out because like i said i'm trying to get rid of one percent a month but then if i buy something at a show, which I mainly just buy at the National a little bit and the uh, Dallas card shows here and dollar box stuff, which is perfect for ComC. You just have to be patient. It's not like it's going to immediately sell on ComC that you bought it for a dollar and then it sells immediately for five bucks on ComC. But over the course of the next five years, yes, it probably will sell for five bucks when the person that sees it wants it. But I don't do quick flips too much on ComC. That's not what I use it for. In fact, most of the flippers, they're going to then sell it to somebody else. So I want to price it pretty much retail. And so then somebody that's a collector says, I want this card. I'm not flipping it. I'm putting it in my collection. Every card needs to find a home, John. You won't get an argument from me there. I'm trying to take a page out of your book and knock my show inventory down and really be selective when it comes to my PC stuff, which is Hall of Fame rookies usually graded. When, like everyone, you have to be strategic too because it costs 50 cents a card to list. I, I use Comp C as well, but I usually bring the cards when they're at a show in person. The National being in Cleveland, that's drivable for me. So I'll probably have six, 800 count box that I'll bring where I can hand deliver it. But with that cost, you have to make sure you're listing stuff that makes sense to list two things if you're yeah, indiscriminately posting to comp c then you're not really 
going to have a great experience. Actually, the optimal experience is to be on there enough that you know what sells and what there's a lot of there. There's some stuff that sells on there, but it's under 50 cents. So you can't buy it for a dollar, pay 50 cents, ship it there or bring it to them, and then find out that they're available for 50 cents. And you just lost money. But also, it's not very practical to look up each card. So that's why people throw things in the dollar box. It's just a little bit better card, but it's not a guarantee. It's not a high demand player. It's not a a high demand insert. So my edge now is that I'm familiar with the almanacs and, and what's what out there, but I also know what sells on Com C. So I have a big advantage. Rich is like that too. He knows the cards, but he's also familiar with Com C. But he's not real big on Com C, obviously, because he works there. But he sells at shows. I don't sell at shows. So those are my two outlets. Once you list the card on Com C, and then you set your selling price, do you ever go back and adjust it? Let's say. It's a Christian McCaffrey. He listed it before the season starts, and then he's playing lights out. Do you go back and make adjustments, or once it's listed, and if it's a deal for somebody, kudos to them for finding it? There's a catch to that. Number one, 90% of my reviewing the prices that I have is to lower to see, hey, they're not selling. I'm going to lower the price. Maybe somebody is lower than me and I really can afford to lower my price. And it's just been sitting there for a long time. So that's more than 90% of it. In fact, it's probably 99% of it. I don't go through my inventory to see what can I increase. So what happens, this is a little bit controversial and it makes people mad, but a lot of times accept offers, but not always. Sometimes if they offer on a Christian McCaffrey card that I priced years ago and the price is doubled. The person should just buy it. But when they make me an offer, I'm considering the offer. And my consideration is that they should have bought it, not made me a low ball offer on something that's now easily worth double. So I'll change the price. I'll reject their offer. If I had a chance to send them a message, I'd say, sorry, dude, this was low hanging fruit. You should have picked it and eaten it. So I'll put the price where it should be, but that's not even 1%. In fact, most offers I just accept. And if it's gone up a little bit, I just accept it. But if it's doubled, I just think who's being greedy. Am I being greedy by doubling the price? Are they being greedy by thinking I'm going to get an even bigger steal of offering half off of something that was already a great deal? ComC does not provide this opportunity to do DMs and things like that. So it's anonymous and people can get frustrated, but if it's there and it's for sale, they can just buy it. And if they make an offer, I can either accept or reject. But when I reject, it's almost always to raise the price. I agree with you, Dr. Jim. If it's a steal because you haven't adjusted the prices to begin with, and then they're handling some more. I think for some people, and I want to again paint with a broad brush, I think for some people, it's in their DM to haggle or just try to get it even lower. I know even myself, when I buy cards on a selling platform, if the deal is good, I'm just, hey, buy it now, quickly get it in my cart and pay for it rather than try to get a dollar more off. Maybe if I'm planning to resell it, that's one thing. But if it's already a deal, like you said, just go ahead and pull the trigger and make the purchase. So I don't blame you. And I'm probably done the same thing. I I don't think necessarily I'm teaching them a lesson, but there should be a lesson learned instead of getting mad at me for raising the price. I think I had my chance. I blew it. The same thing could happen at a card show. If you've got your showcase there and they say that card you've got for 10 bucks there, you priced it six months ago, 10 bucks. Would you take five? You pull it out, you look at it, you say, oh my goodness, 
This is a parallel. I mispriced this. What are you going to do? You're not going to give it to him for five bucks. And if he says, I'll give you 10 for it, then that's an awkward conversation. I would honor the price. Let's say I'm saying you might honor the price. But if he walks away, if that person walks away, yes, then I might get my price gun out. You should. But they're going to get that first crack. Exactly. And I might even say that. I might even tell that to him. Like, I'm not trying to be a salesman here. That's well underpriced. You caught it. If you want it for that, you can buy it. Good deal for you. If you pass on it, I'm about to pull it out there and put a different price on it. If you said that to somebody at a show, they'd think that's salesmanship. He's just trying to talk me into buying this because he says, if you don't buy it, I'm going to double the price. People are sometimes suspicious, even though I think your intentions would be true. I'm going to put 20 bucks on this card after you walk away. They think, sure you are, buddy. No, I've had that situation occur. And I've even talked about it on this show as a show dealer. When I price my cards, many times I build in a haggle price. In other words, I know probably someone's going to offer less. That's in the back of my mind as I price the card. When I always tell somebody, if you're buying three, four or, or more cards, I'm more likely to give you. Actually, in many cases, Dr. Jim, some people will hand me four or five cards, not ask for a deal. And I'll say, hey, all total, they come up to 20, 15 bucks without them even haggling four or five bucks off. I'm more apt to, to give a deal if someone's buying multiple cards rather than... Me too. If they're doing a multiple offer on something, it's much more likely to be accepted. To list stuff. Do you spend a lot of time on that or you just know, hey, I know what I paid for this and you just wing it? You're just playing right into my wheelhouse here. (laughs) I know what I've got in it. Let's see. Wait a minute. I paid a dollar. So when I'm putting stuff on eBay, most of the lots are just cards I got out of the dollar box and I ship them off to Com C and I don't have to think, what do I have in it? Oh, let's see. I have a dollar in it or less because I may have gotten a discount if I had a quantity. So yeah, that makes it really simple. If I were sending some really expensive cards in with some really cheap cards, frankly, though, the sunk cost fallacy, I don't even think what I have in it. I just think, what's the appropriate price to try to sell this on this venue? Now, I, I was going to say one more thing about being at a show is that you're a show dealer sometimes, and and I have some good friends, this is controversial, that think that you should not mark your cards uh, explicitly at the show. It's too much work. People want to haggle anyway, and so they want to get a dialogue with the person. Again, some people won't even stop and ask, but the people that ask, they're going to engage them in conversation, and they're going to say, I was thinking about 30 bucks for that, or 300 bucks, whatever it is. And the guy says, I was thinking more like 20 or, or 200 or something like that. And then they get into a dialogue, and this guy is very personable, has a great presentation. Generally, he creates a customer that the person likes dealing with him. Here's the problem with that that I haven't heard very many people talk about, is that when you're not pricing your cards and somebody's asking you when you're really busy, how much for this card, and you don't see it accurately or quote it, it's a $100 card and you just forgot or you mistakenly misspoke and said 20 bucks, then the problem is the guy ought to just say, I'll take it. Rich yeah. Klein is the only guy that says that's too low. Most guys say, okay. But Rich Klein would say, hey, that's really a $100 card. Yeah. I'm a pricer. Then price avoid that problem. My, here's one of the reasons why. If you do it from the start, it's not as hard as if you haven't done it and then decide all of a sudden, now I'm going to price everything. Now you're playing 
ketchup. Where you get in trouble when you price cards is if you're not reasonable and they're over comps or priced well, it's ridiculously. Not- and then people will just say, oh, man, this guy's overpriced and they'll walk away. When the person walks up to the table and either stops or doesn't stop, you don't really know what their personality type is. But you're right. There's introverts and there's extroverts. Some people are very analytical and some very gregarious. The, the, the full story is that when you're pricing your cards, just like the pr- cards I'm pricing when I post them to ComC or at a, if I was preparing for a show, I priced them accurately at the time. But after the passage of time and the hobby moves fast these days, things could go up, things could go down. And so it's not really an apology. It's more of an explanation. I priced these last month. Last month's prices are on there. There may be some things that have gone up or gone on, but people don't like hearing that because then they think whatever they pick out, you can say, oh yeah, that one went up. You would apply to this rule I have. I like to do business with people that I like, probably even willing to pay a little bit more. Have you ever watched The Masked Singer? I wouldn't say I'm, okay, you know, you I watch every episode, but, but I've seen it. But you understand the concept. If you were the masked card dealer, everybody would guess you. They would immediately know as soon as you opened your mouth that you're John Newman, Sports Card Nation. And so well, people some, like some that. People. Not, not yeah, a lot of people would after all these years. So they would know when you opened your mouth, regardless of what well, you were wearing, they would say, okay, this is John Newman. He's a straight shooter. I'm going to buy from him. He's going to give me a good deal. Disclosure, I have one of those retractable seven-foot stand-up that says Sports Car Nation. So I give it away oh, without even opening it. But it ought to be a positive. I like to think so. But I've had people come up to the table, Dr. Jim, and local people like, hey, I've listened to your show a couple of times. I didn't know you were in Syracuse. That's crazy. So I never really make the assumption that obviously i know a lot of people just from doing the shows for 15 20 25 years but there's other people that will when the show's now on its past its fifth year there's people still to this day that come up and said i've listened to some of your shows i had no idea you were local i never assume because you can assume that more people know you than you know them same thing with me there's more people that know me that i don't know as opposed to I know them and they don't know me. Your reach is more than you think. That's all I'm saying. I, I agree with the man in the house of cards. The man in the